raise up a group of imitators. That's why on your way in the door today, we gave you those notebooks. Can you all hold those up for me? They look so good on you. Man, that's amazing. We gave you those notebooks because here's what we believe. God wants to speak to you today. We believe that God wants to speak to you personally and that he has a word for you. My prayer is that as we're on the doorstep next year of 2021, that you look back through your notebook and what you see are the words that God spoke to you throughout this year. That you look back and you say, remember when I was going through that obstacle? Remember when I was going through that barrier and I was wondering how God was going to come through? And he spoke to us in that moment. I want that to be a marking moment for you because we're a church of imitators, not simply participators. And so we're going to go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3 in your Bibles. 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're kicking off a collection of talks today called Life in 2020. Life in 2020. The reason we called it Life in 2020 is very simply because we're stepping into the year 2020. And so we are living in the year 2020 now. But not only that, uh, we also believe that there is importance to living life where you can see clearly. And, and we're going to dive into what that looks like throughout the rest of this collection of oh, no. talks. But we're going to start at 1 Samuel chapter 3. What you're going to notice about movement is that we're all about the Bible. Uh, I'm not going to come up here and share my personal thoughts. Uh, when my wife Holly comes in and shares, when Abby, our worship resident, comes and shares, we're not just simply going to come up and say, here are some good ideas for life. No, what we're going to do is we're going to share God ideas. And so when we come to the Bible, we don't read into it what we want to see. When we come to the Bible... We read from it so that God can speak to us today, and I believe he has a word for us. Yeah. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, as we, as we are there, really has a couple of different players in chapters 1 and chapter 2. There's this young woman whose name is Hannah. And Hannah has a struggle that maybe some of us today have experienced before. Hannah is, is struggling where she's not able to have kids. She struggles with infertility. And so she comes to the temple of the Lord, and in the temple, she meets this high priest whose name is Eli. And Eli, as the high priest, I want you to imagine, he's like the guy. He's the guy who goes between God and the nation of Israel. I want you to imagine, he was supposed to be like the super Christian, you know, like the guy who always seems like he's supposed to have it all together. That's Eli. And so Hannah comes into the temple, and Eli sees her praying. She says, listen, I'm praying for a son. Eli says, you can go home. God's going to give you a son. The only thing about Eli is that he has two sons by the names of Hophni and Phinehas. I know y'all are going to go home and name your kids that after this. (laughs) Hophni, Phinehas, get over here. So Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's household, they have a problem. You see, because Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the ones who are supposed to be closest to God, are actually not walking in alignment with the way that he has called them to live. And you see, I think sometimes we come to church and we think everybody's always got it all together. We come to church and we think that we need to put on a certain face. But can I tell you that more than putting on a certain act, what we need to have is an actual relationship with God. And what happened is that Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were outside of that relationship with God. Because of that, God begins to speak out against them. And he says, instead of you, I'm going to raise up a new priest who is actually going to be in my order. And that is this young boy who Hannah has called Samuel. So the three players that we have, Hannah, Eli, and Samuel. And we're going to go into our text reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says this, The boy Samuel served in the Lord in Eli's presence. 
In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions. Everybody say prophetic visions. Prophetic visions. Sounds spiritual. Prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. Before the lamp of the God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. He ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So Samuel went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call you, my son. He replied, go back. And lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So once again, for a third time, the Lord called to Samuel. He got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, Go and lie down. And uh, if he calls to you, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. Today, we're going to talk about this idea of blurry vision. Blurry vision. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them blurry vision. Blurry vision. Would you pray with me? Jesus, today we welcome you. We know that you're here with us because you are present. We welcome you and God, we say, just like Samuel, that we would be a group of people that say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's try that one more time. And everybody said, amen. A shout of praise for the word of God today. You see, I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, but it seems like time and time again, I find myself in this same cycle where I'll wake up a little bit late on my way to an appointment. And so I'll oversleep my alarm. I'll click snooze like six times. And so I'm running late. Inevitably, I roll out of bed. I throw on my clothes as fast as possible, and I'm out the door. The only thing is I always forget that in Wisconsin, it's wintertime. Um, so as I go out the door, I jump in my car. I turn on my car, ready to go. The only thing is there's about three inches of ice on my windshield. Now, I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but it seems like whenever I go to scrape off my windshield, I have 15 scrapers at least not one of them is in my vehicle and so I do what any good innovative man would do I pull out my wallet I look for my least favorite credit card and then I start to slowly hack away at three inches of ice hoping to warm up my windshield eventually I get about three inches that I can see through I'm like baby that is good I jump in my car and I start heading off down the road the only thing is about five feet down the road my windshield is all fogged up all of a sudden I can't see where I am going. Anybody ever, when you're driving down that road, all of a sudden you start to get the defrost down at the bottom of the windshield, and you do one of these. You're like driving like this, you're like, I'm so good, I'm so good. You see, the thing is that sometimes we end up not being able to see clearly, and it's difficult to get to where you want to go safely if you can't see clearly. That's good. Yeah. Sometimes what ends up happening in our lives is that we live with blurry vision. And I want you to go ahead and write this.
this down because the reason it's so important that we have clear vision is because what we see is the difference between disaster and destiny. What's more important than destiny, right? What we see is the difference between disaster and destiny. And sometimes what happens is we are going through life, going through the motions, but when in reality we cannot see clearly where God is calling us to move. I believe it's so important that we actually see clearly where God is moving, that that's part of the reason why we call this movement church. Because what we want to do is not simply stay in the same spot that we saw God last week. We don't want to stay in the same spot where we saw God last year. No, what we want to do is we want to see clearly where God is moving, and then we want to take bold steps of faith to where God is going to be. Does anybody want to be a part of a church that's moving today? Yeah. Yeah. You see, when it comes to our own personal lives, the thing is, sometimes I think we get stuck in a place of discomfort. Here's why. Because sometimes what happens is we try to put on somebody else's lenses of how they view the world. Mm, yep. In the Labby household, uh, one of us wears glasses. So sometimes I want to know what it's like to see the world through Holly's eyes. I just wonder what it's like on the other side, right? And so I put on her glasses, and what I see is everything is blurry. Everything is hazy. I gotta imagine that for her to see the world that way, it gotta be tough. And so she puts on those lenses. I can tell you that when I put on her glasses, the reason it's blurry is because they weren't intended for me. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yet I wonder how many of us are trying to put on the lenses that our parents handed us and are trying to live life the way God called us to, but the reason we can't see clearly is because that's not the lens that God has called us to view it through. Yeah. Some of us, we're on our, we're on our phones and we're scrolling through Facebook, we're scrolling through Instagram, we're looking at all the influencers in the world, and we start to put on their filters, and instead of us living the life God called us to live, we're too busy being sidetracked by the life that somebody else is living. But God today wants us to live life in 2020. And so the question is, what does it look like for us to live life seeing clearly? You see, the Bible sees importance to vision. Let's go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Here's what the writer of Proverbs says. He says this. He says, where there is no, everybody say this, prophetic vision. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Let's break down this idea of prophetic vision. It comes from the Greek word hazon. Turn to the person next to you and give them a big old breathy hazon. Hazon. The idea of hazon in Hebrew is really twofold. The first one, prophetic, is a word that you hear directly from God. And the second, vision, is a picture that God gives you for the future. And what this writer is saying is that God wants us to live with prophetic vision, with the word spoken to us from God about the way that he desires for us to live. And it's not until we live that way that we're able to live in the fullness of how God intends in this life. That's exactly what 1 Samuel chapter 3 shows us. The passage says these words. It says, the Lord said to Samuel. I wonder what difference it would make in your life today if you put your name in that for 2020. I wonder what difference it would make if you put your name in and if you said, the Lord said to Matt, the Lord said to Andy, the Lord said 
to Alex. Imagine if you put your name in there and you knew that God was speaking to you. Yeah. The importance of this is, is really comes down to this one truth, that clarity for life comes from the voice of God. You can go ahead and write that down if you're keeping your notebook. It's that clarity for life comes from one place and one place alone. It comes from the voice of God. Amen. And there are a couple of different ways that we see that coming from the voice of God in our passage. The first one is this. The first way that we see vision for life coming from the voice of God is that God calls us to the general before he calls us to the specific. Everybody say general. 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 Everybody say specific. specific. He calls us to the general before he calls us to the specific. Here's what happens in this passage. So there's this young man whose name is Samuel, who hears the voice of God, but he doesn't know it's the voice of God. So three times he ends up, God calls to him, and so he goes and he thinks that it's our, his master, Eli, speaking to him. So he goes to Eli and he says, listen, did you call my name? Eli says, no, I didn't call you. So eventually he gets smart to it. He goes back and he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Samuel hears the voice of God. Here's the thing. Throughout this passage, we see a contrast between Eli and his sons and Samuel. You see, we have Samuel on the one side who hears the voice of God because in chapters 1 and 2 it says, and he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God. He was following the guidelines God had laid out for him. On the other side, we see that contrasted with the, the people who are in Eli's camp. We see with Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were not living in alignment with the way that God created them. They were living in disobedience. Here's how this comes into play. You see, I think sometimes what happens is we want a specific outline for what God wants us to do without following the general guidelines God has already given us. Ooh, yeah, that's good. You ever been in that place where you're like, God, you just tell me am I supposed to take the job? God, just tell me I'm supposed to marry this person. God, would you just tell me? And God the whole time is saying, listen, are you following the guidelines I already gave you? You see, some of us were in a relationship with someone. We're wondering, should I marry them? And God is saying, listen, are you following the boundaries I gave you for sex only in the context of marriage? Because why would I entrust you with more if you're not already being obedient with what I gave you? Sometimes we're wondering, God, should I take this job? It's going to offer so much more finances. It's exactly what I was hoping for. It's exactly what I was looking for. Should I take this job? And God is saying, if you would bless me in your work, if you would bless me with your first fruits, then maybe I would trust you with more of a word. But I've already given you a word. You're not even following. There's two different types of revelation that we see in Scripture. The first type of revelation is something called general revelation. It's revelation that's given for all people at all places at all times. It's what we see in the Bible. And so this general revelation is really our way of attuning our ear to know the difference between God's voice and every other voice. Because in the pages of Scripture, what do we find? We find the voice of God. You see, sometimes I think that God wants to speak to us. The only problem is that there are too many voices drowning him out. And so it's in those moments that, that we attune our voice, we attune our ear to the voice of God through Scripture. So we know the difference between God's voice and the world's voice. We know the difference between God's voice and what we simply want in and of ourselves. And so when we come to Scripture and when we read Scripture, we're able to hear and understand the difference between God's voice and everyone else's voice. Amen. In the Labby household... Um, there's, there's a secret thing that we do um, that sometimes, you see, I'm kind of the person that when I go to a store, I get sidetracked. Anybody the sidetracked person when you go to the store? Okay, that's me. Um, uh, Holly, on the other hand, she's got like a mission. Like she knows what's up. She's going there. She knows where to go even. I go to Woodman's. I got lost. Like, I don't know. I was about to eat there like eating food trying to stay alive because I was lost back there for so long. How many of us are in 
the mission people, like you know what's up. So here's what happens is sometimes um, she'll be on a mission, I'll get sidetracked doing something else and we're in the store. And, uh, and so what happens is, is I get lost and sometimes I forget my phone. And so we can't find each other. It's a sad moment, you know? And so what happens is she has this particular call. I won't do it to you because, because it's a special call. She has this particular call to be able to attune my voice to know that my wife is looking for me. Why? Because we made an agreement over six years of marriage. This is how it goes down. And, and so, so here's the thing. What has happened is I've listened for her voice. How many of us know that when we have kids... That we could be at a birthday party with a thousand kids. You know, there's kids punching each other in the gut. There's people like setting things on fire. Like there's a birthday party. But all of a sudden, your kid says your name. And all the noise, all of a sudden, you're like, they need me. I'm there. I'm there. You're on mission. Why? Because you've been attuned to hear the voice of your child. The only way that we become attuned to knowing the voice of God is when we come to the Bible, when we read on the pages of Scripture what God has already laid out in the pages of Scripture, and we say, God, I'm here. Speak to me. Yeah. Amen. What I want you to know today is that God created you on purpose for a purpose. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know that God knew that you were going to be here at Movement Church January 5th, 2020? There's something, there's something called the providence of God. The providence of God is this, this idea that God is orchestrating all things in the universe toward the desired end that he has. And what that means is that do you know that God has a plan for your life? Do you know that God already has a purpose for your life? The question is, are we going to see clearly? Are we going to listen to him or are we going to get sidetracked by other things? Are we going to be able to come to scripture and know his voice so that we know what he's called us to do? What I would love for every one of us to do, I don't know how many of you all struggle with this reality, but I think I've started about 150 Bible reading plans before. I'm a consummate like Bible. Anybody relate to that? Just be honest. We're in church. Come on. Get those hands up. You started a plan, and you're like, I'm going to do this thing, and all of a sudden, like three days in, you have 50 chapters to read, and you're like, all righty, let's do this. I love the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year is a fresh start for me to say, God, this year I'm committing to go through the Bible in here. I wonder how many of us would say, God, this year I'm going through the Bible. I'm going to read four chapters a day, three chapters a day, whatever that looks like. Imagine if we as a church said we were going to take that step. Imagine that you get together with somebody and you have a conversation with them and they start to talk about a passage that you read and all of a sudden you're like, man, I just read that same passage. Imagine you go to your small group and in your small group you're talking about that passage together, learning the voice of God, discerning the will of God together on this journey, not as lone wolves, but as a church, a body of believers. Yeah. I wonder how many of us would say yes to reading the Bible in here so that we can know the voice of God. This week, we're going to put up a post, and we're going to encourage you to join on that Bible reading plan with us. I would love if you would friend me on uh, the Bible app. It would keep me accountable so you can see how far behind I am. You know, I live like 30 chapters in a day. Like, you'll know exactly like, Pastor Matt, how's it going, bro? Like, I see you haven't been reading lately. I'll be like, you're right. Let's do this thing. And so the reason why is because we need the general before God gives us the specific. We need to know clarity about where God is leading us to, but he's not going to give it to us until he trusts us enough with what he's already given mm -hmm. with us. That's good. So clarity and having the general before the specific. The second idea that we get from this passage is this. Proximity determines clarity. Break that down. That's so good. I want you to circle that, star that, highlight that in your notes. That proximity determines clarity. 
Here's what we see in our passage in verses 1, 2, and 3. It says this. It says, The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying where? In his usual place. That was weak movement. That was weak movement. Come on, come on, come on. He was lying where? In his usual place. In his usual place. You ever notice that sometimes we need to break out of the usual to hear the voice of God? Yeah. Right. You ever notice that sometimes we go through life and it's just the same thing day in, day out. We get up, you know, we're scrolling through Facebook for about five seconds. Then the kids need to get up. And so we quick get them ready for school, make them breakfast, bring them to school. And then we, we go to work, we come home, we cook them, we, we get everything ready after dinner. We clean things up. We go on our phone for another 15 minutes. We go to bed, we wake up, we do the same thing over and over and over again. And God is saying, are you going to meet me not in your usual place? Mm-hmm. Are you going to take time to be able to say in the new year I'm prioritizing hearing the voice of God. I'm going to break out of the usual so I can hear God in an unusual way. That's exactly what we look at at Samuel. Here's what it says. He was lying in his usual place. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. This is where Samuel was lying. It says he was lying in the temple of God where the Ark of the Covenant was located. Anybody seen uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Anybody seen that back in the day? Like, like all that stuff. It was great. It was a great, great movie. Um, So so just get in your mind, when you walked in the temple of God, there was this this open kind of area that would have been called the Holy Place. Inside the Holy Place, you would have seen a candle, uh, a lampstand. You would have seen uh, a table with bread on it, which I just want to tell you that on every page of Scripture, it talks about Jesus. You know, sometimes I would read it. I'd be like, what what is up with bread and why a lampstand? And then Jesus came and he said, listen, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. All of a sudden we see Jesus on every page. Can anybody celebrate about that? Jesus. And so what you would have done, you would have walked into the holy place, and then beyond that, there would have been this giant veil, and you would have walked into the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was located. And what would have happened was the Spirit of God was hovering over the Ark of the Covenant. And so what we see is we see Samuel was in close proximity to God. He was in the temple where the Ark of God was located. You see, because proximity determines clarity. Hmm. It's only when we're walking in lockstep with God that we're able to know what he's calling us to. A little while ago, uh, I was talking to my father-in-law about some of the funny old practices they used to have for team building and organizations. Uh, He was sharing that back in the day. I didn't know this was actually a thing. I just thought we all made fun of it. That they actually used to do like trust falls in organization. They would actually think like, that's going to make you trust people more. So they do trust falls. One of the things in kind of like that I've seen personally is where they blindfold one person and then they have the other person not blindfolded, helping the other person navigate an obstacle course, right? Anybody seen this before? Anybody with me? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You see, what happens, I think, many times is that God gives us one of two things. He either gives us the destination, but not the journey, or he gives us the journey, but not the destination. Mm -hmm. Here's why. Because God knows that it takes faith for us to stay in lockstep with him. That the closer we are to him, the more we hear his voice. He doesn't want us running on ahead of him. He wants us to be beside him as he whispers to us the next step that he wants us to take. And so in our lives, we might not be able to see the future. All we can do is hear the next step God is giving us. But God knows the future. And so it's really in our closeness with God that we can see clearly what he's calling us to. I wonder how it would make a 
difference in America, in the Christian church, if all of a sudden we all had a vision for how God wanted us to live our life? I wonder how it would make a difference for you going in your workplace that you're not saying I'm just coming here to make money, but if God gave you a vision for your workplace. Yeah. I wonder how it would make a difference in your life if you weren't simply doing what your parents did in raising your kids, but you knew that God was raising your kids for a reason, on purpose, for a purpose, and you were listening to him in the way he was asking you to raise your kids up. I wonder if it would make a difference in the church today. You see, I believe that God wants to do something, but the reality is it only comes through proximity to God. It really was a step of faith when we launched Movement Church. Um, God was preparing for this. He knew about this from the very foundations of the world. This is no accident. But um, for Holly and I, this has been about a six-month journey that, that we were kind of praying through things and we were saying, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to be? How do you want us to go about this journey? We're feeling this tug to be lead pastors, but we're not sure what you want us to do about it. And the amazing thing was that God opened up this opportunity. Granted, it was in less time than we thought. Uh, we were given 10 weeks. And so we were talking to some of our friends who are church planners, and they kept saying to us, bro, don't do it. Like, y'all are crazy. You should not launch a church that fast. And can I tell you that what we did is we went and we listened to what God had to say. Yeah. We listened and we said, God, what are you saying about this? Because we want to be lockstep with you, not lockstep with what everybody else is saying. We want to be lockstep with you, not lockstep with what the world is saying. And something happens when we show up and when we say yes to the vision that God has for us. And you're looking at the, the, the product of what God did. I love that we are a church today because of the prophetic vision that God gave. That you're here today and that God wants to give you clarity on how to live your life. It's proximity that determines clarity. Because it's clarity for life that comes from the voice of God. I want you to imagine how 2020 would look different in your life. If you began to say, Father, would you speak to me? Would you help me to hear your voice? Would you enable me to not just go through the motions, but begin to live in a new and in a fresh way? I wonder how that would make our lives different. You see, there's a couple of challenges that I want to ask you to do going into 2020. The first one is I believe that God wants us to know his word. So the first one is that I would love every one of us to say yes to reading through the Bible in a year. I know that we just said, you know, I don't know if you ever read, try to read through the Bible, but you get to like Leviticus and Numbers, and you're like, bro, I just need some encouragement right now. Like, you're looking for anybody who's like, hey, just help me get through this. But can I tell you that even on those pages, there's Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And so we're going to go through the Bible together. I want to encourage you to sign up for that and to say yes. The second thing that I want you to do is whenever you take your Sabbath day, whenever your day off is, I know sometimes we just get caught up in the busyness and the hurry of whatever's happening that day. But in that one day, what I would love for every one of us to do is to take 10 minutes. You know, you have 168 hours in a week, and sometimes we let the week move by and go by without us stopping to actually pause and listen to God. And all I'm asking for is 10 minutes, to take 10 minutes and to just say this one simple phrase to God. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Mm -hmm. To get beyond the noise. To not even listen to worship music, like, like to just sit in silence, to take off the hat of mom, to take off the hat of employee, of co-worker, to take off the hat of spouse. Just sit in the presence of God and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We intentionally put this sermon first at our collection of talks because I know that if you don't come back, which I hope you do come back, but if you don't, I believe that this is the most transformational thing that we could do. Yeah. It's the most transformational thing that we could do to our parenting most transformational thing that we could do when it comes to our interactions with our spouse is to simply come before God to listen and get clarity 
for our life. Yeah. I believe God wants to do something at Movement in 2020. Would you pray with me?